Hello and welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations, including the topics you are too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Melissa May, and my beautiful guest joining us today is one of the most popular comedians known as a TikTok comedy queen in Hollywood with more than 1.2 million followers. She's a regular at the Laugh Factory and also performs at the Comedy Store and the Hollywood Improv, where she has her own monthly show. She's featured on various publications. She's an activist and philanthropist, empowering women and children and helping causes that touch Asian American communities. Yes, the Jiao Ying Summers is on with us today. Welcome to the Asian Voices Radio. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I really appreciate your time. Oh, oh no, I pr- we appreciate your time. Now, getting jumping right into it. In your bio, it states that you were a dumpster child, and I'm sure it's not easy to talk about, but can you tell us about your upbringing and survival in China during that one-child policy era? Yeah, it's very difficult. Um, I, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be a dumpster baby, and my parents actually told me that. When I get A- minus in school, they tell me that, you know, we took you back from the dumpster, you better get A+. plus. <laughs> So it's very common during the 90s uh, when there's, uh, you can only have one child and uh, people want to be a boy. And if it's a girl, uh, you know, they give away the baby. When the baby's lucky, it, it got adopted. When it's not, a, you know, you, you, you get laid by the railway station. It's, it's really painful. And uh, uh, I, I feel like uh, surviving, being alive, it wasn't the end of like, okay, now you are safe. Because uh, mentally, you are told over and over again, your life is granted to you, that you have to behave a certain way to deserve, to be worthy of being alive. So uh, that's one of the very important things that I felt I want to empower uh, Asian women, especially the women who were survivors of the one-child policy, because they felt that their life was granted, they should do whatever their parents want. And when they get married, they should do whatever they can do to please their husband, and uh, just uh, their life wasn't really worth living. Their life is about uh, pleasing other people. And I just uh, feel like uh, I want to be the voice to tell everybody that uh, I deserve to be alive. I have every right to live my life my way. Amen. Absolutely. Well, we're so happy that you're still here, of course, and I know you're changing lives each and every day. But you came to the U.S. as a teenager, and you became a citizen just a year ago. So first off, congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Um, So what brought you to the U.S. from China, and what was your life back then and now? I know that's a real loaded question. but (laughs) So when I was a little girl in China, I was always trying to make people laugh because I wasn't a pretty girl. In you know Eastern Asian beauty standard, having dark skin is considered ugly, and my skin is very dark for Chinese, and uh, I have big lips, and I just uh, I big lips not pretty, which is weird in China. So I was just uh, the girl wasn't pretty, and I want attention. I want people to like me, so I I'm a funny girl. And then uh, I remember that uh, my mom's. Um, a cousin, she got a video shop business, which they rent out uh, Hollywood movies. And I, I was able to, you know, like uh, work there, like a child, just kind of watch the store when my, my, like my, my, my cousin would be gone. 
to lunch or something, I watch all the Hollywood movies. And I watch this movie about Halle Berry. She's the most beautiful girl in the movie. And she's so dark. And she's beautiful. So I'm like, what is going on here? I'm dark too. Why am I ugly? Why, why is this? Maybe there's something wrong about the beauty standard here. I want to go to America and I want to see what's going on. Maybe there's nothing wrong about me. Maybe it's okay. I'm dark. Maybe I'm beautiful. Just even though I'm dark, I, I just don't want to hit my skin. And it's so hard to not hit your skin when everybody advises you. You can't wear pink. You are too dark. You have to cover your arms because you are too dark. I was in middle school. I wrote this love letter to this boy. He's so cute. He wrote me back. He's like, I would date you if you are lighter. You are not pretty enough for me. It is bad. And I just don't get it. So I, I love performing. Of course, I want to become an actress. And I love performing. I love painting. I love literature. I love writing. I just, I love art. So I wanted to come to America to become an actress. But I want to learn business first so I don't have to be a starving artist. Because I don't believe in starving artists. You can't pay for your acting classes. <laughs> well, it seems like your life now is vastly improved. But it's very interesting, the whole idea of beauty standards. Because I feel like dark skin means you're tan in the States. And then big lips are like what women want. So I, I hope you embrace that. You're you're beautiful whether you're in China or here. I'm sure you've embraced that now. But what or who motivated or inspired you to pursue your career as a comedian? Obviously, you learned business as well, but was there someone in particular that inspired you to become a comedian? I was literally forced to do a open mic by John Singleton, the director of Boys in the Hood. He literally, it was so funny. I auditioned for his TV show called uh, um, Rebel, it's a movie about uh, a black girl. She's a cop, and she has a sidekick who's an Asian girl. It's the movie. I mean, the TV show is. I mean, it happens in Oakland, in San Francisco. So this Chinese American girl, she was born there. She has this Oakland accent. I did a very good audition, but I cannot do an uh, Oakland accent. I have my Chinese accent, and he loved the audition. I remember. I, I forgot a line. I started improvising, just like making up things. And then it was really funny, I guess. He was laughing. Everybody in the room was laughing their ass off. And then John Singleton, he literally just like walked out from the desk, walked towards me, playing a clip on YouTube of Ali Wong's Baby Cobra, uh, the, the stand-up special. And he said, you should do stand-up comedy and you're going to become a star. I'm like, do I have a role? Am I booked the role? He's like, no, I can't book you for the role because you you are not convincing to be a girl that's born in San Francisco. But if you try stand-up, you're going to be a star. It was like, if you think I'm going to be a star, you're going to cast me in your show. You know, what, what you're going to tell me to, to do an open mic? <laughs> I was actually very depressed. You know, I'm like, oh my God. been trying so hard in acting. I just like... My accent is always, like, stopping me. I came here when I was 18. It was really hard to get off my accent. And I felt really sad. But he got my number. He texted me next week, like, did you have your first open mic? I'm like, no. So I guess I didn't really do it until I got married. Soon after I did the audition, I got married. I had my first baby. And then I see all of my peers taking off in their acting, signing with CAA, doing huge movies. I'm the only person who's like 
my career is going nowhere. Uh, becoming a mother, I feel like it should not stop me from having a career. So I got another message from John Singleton. He's like, you better be doing your first open mic. So I'm like, you know what? I'm doing my first open mic. And that's what I did. I went to do my first open mic and the rest is history. Wow. To have the support of someone that's so established in the TV world, keep pushing you and checking in on you and holding you accountable. That's, that's got to make you feel, I mean, if someone like that says to do something, it's like, you'd almost be silly not to follow through. So I'm so glad you did, but it was uh, very emotional, very emotional, a roller coaster to see somebody who's so great, to see something great in you. And then they wouldn't cast you in a show because of your accent. Like I can't change the show. Like I can't change it. It's, and, it's, it's, and then I, of course I bombed my first open mic. It's hard, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. So I worked very hard and I opened the two comedy clubs just for it's me a- to be on stage every day to get better because the only way to get better as a comedian is a stage time. You have to go on stage, but if you are not very good, you are new, nobody's going to book you on a show. So you don't have the stage time to get better. Then there's like a vicious circle. Like I want to be a comedian, but I have no stage time and I'm bad. So I bought my club. I go. So you bought one. (laughs) That's a, what a good, and then you give other people an opportunity also that may be starting off too. You give them a platform too. What a win-win. Now, again, I want to stay positive, obviously, but have you faced any challenges as an Asian American that happens to have an accent in your line of work? Yeah, totally. Um, Hecklers, uh, people saying racist, uh, sexist things to me, to my face on my social media. It happens every single day. And thank God I have a tiger mom. Like my mom, she's so tough. Like nobody can say anything that's worse than my mom. You know, I'm like, mom, I'm going to be a comedian who are in a restaurant. She's like, come closer to me, daughter. Just because you failed in acting because you are unattractive doesn't mean you can make it in comedy. <laughs> Your mom said that? Yeah. It's like, uh, so, and then I'm like, why is that? She's like, come closer to me. Uh, she started whispering. I'm like, mom, why are you whispering? She's like, um, I don't want people to get my wisdom for free. I'm like, okay. So she goes, it's because not all ugly people are funny. So uh, that's when I started my comedy. And I guess, like, my mom is better at roasting than all of you guys. Like, what are you going to say? Like, calling me names and stuff. Like, I don't care. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for comedy. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to become the best in the business. I will take me for my lifetime to get there, but I am aiming to become the best and I'll be working hard every day. You can laugh at me all you want. But have... I'm setting out theaters. I have millions of followers and my contents are great. And I love myself now. People are like, oh, you are not pretty in China. I'm like, I love my dark skin. I love my big lips. I love everything about me. Like, I want girls to be like, even if people think you are too big, too small, too tall, too short, too fat, too, too skinny, too dark, too light. You are gorgeous. Just like, like me. Like I, everything about me is wrong. You know, it's wrong because people want to define us. Nothing's wrong about us. Nobody hates more than a woman who likes herself. People want us to hate ourselves. Oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Oh my God, I'm so tall. I'm too short. No, you are just perfect, girl. You are just perfect. Fuck all, I can't say the F word. You know what? They don't, they don't matter. 
you know, they are not gonna pay your rent. They're not buy your rice. They don't buy your rice. Like that. don't care about them. Love yourself. Well, Girls, they want to control us because we have more power than men. That's why they want to control us. Well, I feel like your your mom may have given you, uh, helped you develop a really thick skin, which I know is very important oh, yeah. in improv. So she started from a young age. Yeah, um, I was on, on, on the show doing my joke. People were like, you look like the VMD's hooker from the movie Full Metal Jacket. I roast them back immediately. Like I'm going to be like, oh. I, I just I am very sharp and fast and witty. Like whenever who want to pick on me, they are uh, in trouble because uh, they I'll be so fast. Oh, that's a good, obviously a very good quality to have. So, in addition to frequently headlining at the Laugh Factory, Comedy Store, and Hollywood Improv, we talked about you're now the owner of Hollywood Comedy in Los Angeles with your own monthly show. When and how did this all come about? So uh, when I start a comedy and uh, the first open mic, I, I I ask people what should I do to become great at comedy. They said uh, ten thousand hours on stage. So, you know, all of the open mic you have to stay in line for three hours. Then there's a lottery. You are not guaranteed to go on stage. So I'm like, uh, no, hell no. I'll be doing ten hours a day. How do I do that? Open my own comedy club. So I opened my comedy. I had two. So I, you know, that's what happens when you don't marry for love, right? Like I opened my own comedy club. I just go, I host my own mic every, every single day, 10 hours a day. Until before, before I hired a lot of, a lot of hosts that is they are running shifts now. And I have eight shows a week. I'm on eight shows a week. I do 10 hours a day. That's what I did to get better, to get really good at my materials. But before I become a regular at the major clubs in the world, in America. So uh, I, I believe in hard work and I don't believe in miracle. I mean, my followers, millions of followers, they help me sell tickets, but if I'm not good, they won't come back to see my second show. So having the followings online is only the gasoline in your tank, but you don't have a car, it's not gonna drive. So I want to build this amazing car that I need to put in the hot, like I need, I, I you know, that's what I need. And the first month I, I opened my club, it was amazing. And then pandemic hit and I had to close the club. And I was going from 10 hours a day on stage to no stage at all. That's when I started to do TikTok, just to tell my, I write five jokes. I just talk about my jokes into the camera. And that's, I just started doing that and I started blowing up on TikTok. I remember I was pregnant with my baby girl, throwing up in the toilet and I was like thinking, I can't not do comedy today, so I have to do a new joke. I was very consistent, so I got many followers during the pandemic. And my ex-husband's like, you should close the club, like you are losing so much money, you've been closed for a year. So I started selling my Birkin bags at the real real <laughs> to pay the rent for my club and I kept it. When the pandemic was over, I reopened. And I also opened another club in Pasadena called Pasadena Comedy. But I got so busy with touring, so I had to close the Pasadena club, just keep the Hollywood one. So I've been, the secret of me getting really good at my craft is literally, I work 10 times harder than people I know. I, I'm not lying about it or bragging about myself. I'm not, or saying I'm a workaholic. I just believe in. 10,000 hours. How do I put 10,000 hours? That's simple and easy. I don't become great just because 10,000 hours, but I 
go towards being great. And that's all I want. I want to be respected as a great comedian. Because when you become a great comedian, you have this power that you have the power to influence, and you can actually empower people through humor. You can rip your heart open, show the world your pain, and the people would relate. Because everybody has trauma, and it's a good thing to just laugh about it. Because if you laugh about it, you got over it. You can move on. If you hide it, you can never get over it. It's hard to be happy again. I I have I had a hard life. I'm very fortunate that me and my mother and we repaired our、uh, relationship, and I we're having a really great relationship. And she's helping me with my kids. I'm very lucky because I was able to rip open my pain and go through everything and figure out everything and understand it wasn't my fault. And also, it wasn't my mom's fault. She was doing the best she can. She was only eighteen when she was pregnant. You know, she was doing the best she can. Hating other people is not gonna make you happy. I not always just like whenever something don't go right, I always blame myself because I'll always be the person who has control over my life. And I, when I go on a show, I'm not the best there. I'll be like, why? So I start writing more. I perform more. And I always feel like、uh, art is art, but also is a business. It's a business. You you don't sell. Doesn't matter how good you are, people can't book you. They have to, they have to pay rent. The clubs have to pay rent. They only gonna book people who is funny, who also can sell out. That's why building my following is a big big part of my success. I think. And social media, you can reach such a large audience with you being at home, and yet you can reach people in all corners of the world, which I'm sure was super marketable and great for your business. But getting back to material, we were you had mentioned a little bit about your material, and I know comedy is like is kind of organic and ever changing, and you always have to adapt your material. But can you kind of describe your style of comedy and what kind of message you're trying to relay to your audience? I know everything is different, but kind of in general, I think my voice is one of the breezes breathe. Bravest voice in comedy right now. I was able. I am able to say things that people would not say. They talk about fart, sex, tampons, period, blowjobs. That's the thing people talk about it because it's funny. I I don't want to waste my time talking about bullshit like that. I talk about race, the Asian hate that's going on, sexist like racism, like uh, uh, being a mother, being a woman,、uh, marriage. Parenting, culture shock, things that's important, you know. Like、uh, people are talking about、uh, the Oscar slap.、Uh, like、uh, I'm like,、uh, do you know there's Asian woman getting pushed into the subway right now? Like,、uh, hello, why don't you talk about it? And abortion, abortion rights. People just like they got so offended about everything. I don't care. Like I don't care. My job as a comedian is to amplify, is to empower the people who's powerless. And put down people who's too powerful and too obnoxious, and is not using their position for good. Like I have, and is in Hollywood, it's very dangerous when you are not standing with the minority of the people. And I'm not afraid of that. I, I'm not a team Jada Pinkett Smith. And I think the Oscars lap. I I just thought that was awful what Will Smith and Jada did. And I I don't care. And I don't like Meghan Markle. I I I don't care. I'm gonna say that because people who so rich, beautiful, and powerful, like your bullshit is not important because there's worse things happening right now. Like we should pay more attention. 
嗯 ，people don't like like people like oh, Asian they like they are fine like there's this it's not Asian hate it's like it's just violence it's random, and it freaks me out like I got really angry and I got so defensive. Sometimes people think I'm too angry on stage. I'm like George Carlin is angry. You're passionate. All time, if you are not passionate, it's all not authentic. Your voice. It is my voice because it triggers me. Because somebody was attacked in San Diego, San Francisco. It could be my grandmother. It, the girl who was pushed in the subway. It can be me, or my daughter, or your daughter. Like people just、uh, and the school shootings and women has no right all to their own body. This is this is not okay. And that that like、uh, you are fighting so hard to make sure a woman has no right to abort a baby when she was raped. But it's okay for everybody to buy a gun to shoot the schools. So I, that's the things people hate, because people don't like that when you are very, very sure about what you think and what you want. They get angry, and I'm not afraid, because my job is not talk about a fart joke, like、uh, I didn't survive the dumpster to come to America to talk about a fart joke. I'm here to talk about、uh, the woman. We have rights to our body, and、uh, um, I'm not saying you can't have a gun, but a gun control has to be enforced very much. Like it's it's not okay. It's it's happening. Things are happening every day. That's awful. Yeah, and and you know, some I, I admire you and your courage to have an opinion because, especially as an Asian American female, like you said, they they want to. Quiet our voices and like act like our voices don't matter. And the fact that you are loud and proud about your beliefs、um, is to be respected. So I'm glad that you're doing that and showing that Asian American women have a voice and it deserves to be heard. So I'm I think yeah.、I'd、also they like they make Asian women、uh, they they cause exotic and that's like crazy. I'm like I'm made in China. I'm everywhere. Like you are not like I'm not exotic. You are exotic. You are from Kentucky. You have ankle fat. You have ankle fat. More of me than all of you combined, honey. Because like they they think we are exotic. That's the whole sickness. Like when the women were shot in the beauty parlor, like the massage, because they are they think Asian women are exotic, obedient. We don't talk. We're like a robot. Have you ever seen an Asian woman? Asian women are the strongest, loudest, toughest women like I've ever met in my whole life. Asian woman. Our vice president is half Asian. Like, really, you are gonna think Asian women are quiet and that we are just a sex toy that you can just think we are an object? It's crazy. That's like the beginning. Like Asian woman, we are not exotic. Don't use that word. <laughs> a word is where your fantasy. Is, yeah. Well,、um, you had mentioned that you had gotten divorced recently. What is it、mm-hmm. like to raise two kids as a single strong strong mother and pursue a career as a full time comedian and touring and d all the above? How do you do it? I really don't know. <laughs> um, the kids are really amazing, and I got super lucky that my mother moved to America to help me with two kids, and I also fortunately I have a full time. Nanny that she she basically work full time to help my mother.、Uh, I I just work very hard so I can pay for everything. <laughs> I can 
give them the best education, and I can take them to park and read them stories as much as I want. And meanwhile, I just still want to get get good at my craft as much as I can. I want my kids to know that my mom is the greatest comedian. She she's great. She's very good. She makes people laugh. I know you had mentioned before that you um, your relationship with your mother may have not have not been good, but it's now rekindled, and you're working on that. Do you have any advice for maybe listeners that are dealing with a similar situation where they're not on great terms with their parents? Like maybe a little bit of background on your story, and like any advice on maybe what he they your, the viewers could do to mend their relationships with their parents. Is uh, actually I have a joke about uh, the difference between uh, the Chinese and American mother-daughter relationship. So I had a friend. She was like, "Oh my God, my mom is a bitch." I'm like, "What did she do?" She's like, "She did not show up to my ballet recital twice." She's like, "How's your mom?" I'm like, "My mom is my hero." They're like, "What?" I'm like. My mom took me back from the dumpster. <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is like, sometimes mom, some of the very few moms, you know, they can be narcissists and it's not healthy. They would be very abusive to the kids in a way that's not healthy. I think therapy, they should, if you are struggling with the relationship, I feel like we need, the first thing we need to try our best to repair it. Therapy, talking through it and apologize to each other, uh, try to understand, uh, put yourself in each other's shoes, you know, try to understand that uh, why that happened. And most of the time, like, when you become a mother, you realize that a lot of things between you and your mother, she was doing the best she can. So when people become a mother, they kind of forgive their moms most of the time. But sometimes mom can be just, she can just be a narcissist. And it's probably healthy to stay away from her if that's the case. But if it's not the case, do your best to repair because, like, no no mom don't like her child, you know? I feel like uh, having a healthy relationship with your mother is very important to empower you to move forward with life. Yeah, mothers are amazing. And the fact that you're now a single mom balancing a bajillion things and still looking the way that you look and being so successful is is got to be uh, hopefully the listeners out there take note um speaking of advice too um maybe the listeners out there they're aspiring to be a comedian and they may not be able to buy a, a comedy club or something like that any advice for them on w- even how to get started so uh, my question is always how much do you want to be a comedian Give me a scale one to ten. One, I'm like, don't do it. You'll never make it. Ten, if it's a ten, you want to become a comedian. You should not have any plan B. It's like, if I fail, I'll do. No, there's no plan B. It's that's it. Finding something financially you can support yourself, and get, basically, um, watch all the great comedians, and. Uh, Go to open mic as much as you can. If you think about like Muhammad Ali, would he become Muhammad Ali if he never goes to the gym? No. You are not going to become a comedian if you never do an open mic. Every day. Every single day. Christmas, like Thanksgiving, every single day. Every day. Doesn't matter how people laugh at you. Like, oh, I remember first time I was doing my open mic, I remember somebody was saying somebody should not be doing comedy. Oh, good. Didn't stop me. 
people are gonna say shitty things to you. They are comedy is dark. Comedy is bad. Like you, you are you are going to be at open mic. You kill nobody. Laugh because there's all comedians there. They don't like that you killed, or you bomb. Everybody is like,、oh, of course you bomb. You suck. It's not supportive. And、uh, you have to support yourself. You have to know that、uh, I am doing the best I can, and you have to put the work for it. I think hard work trumps talents. But、uh, we can see some of the greatest、uh, talents in acting or comedy—they never make it because the most talented people—they are fragile. They they can't handle the pain and the verbal abuse and the toxic. They give up. They move back to Alabama. <laughs> The people who maybe don't have the most talent, they stay there, keep fighting with their thick skin, and they become a star. <laughs> and they got better. They do though. They, they. I'm not saying the people who doesn't have the most talent, they are not as funny. They got very funny. They got funnier than the people who's more talented who give up. So talent is important, but in this business, it is a business. So good, be a good person. Be supportive. You never know. You are being abusive towards somebody else. Next thing you know, she's Tiffany Haddish, like she's Joe. He's Joe Coy. Like, guess what? You can never thinking like, like, oh, this person's poor. This person's not funny or like funny, but it's never gonna make it. No, anybody can make it because you don't know how hard they would work. So be nice to everybody. Be supportive and create all your own opportunities. People don't give you opportunities because you are not there yet. They don't think so. You create your own opportunities. That's so important. Produce your own shows. Do your own open mic. You know, put yourself on stage. Is get you know, get on social media. Absolutely, I feel like the world is kind of shifting over to social media and those now the influencers, whatever they are. But like we were talking about, social media, you can have a million people watching, and you're in your house. Like it's it's pretty remarkable.、Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that's all the time we have today, Jiao Ying. I could feel like I could talk to you for hours, and I'm sure our listeners would want to continue. But before we do go, do you have a website or social media handle that、uh, you could share with our listeners who want to learn more about you and listen to your work and keep in touch? Oh yes, so my website jiaoyingsummers.com have my bio, my upcoming shows and tickets and tour and all of my news, my press and publication and contact info. And for my daily contents, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter at jiaoyingsummers. J I A O Y I N G S U M M E R S. Once again, thank you so much to Zhao Ying for sharing your remarkable story here on Asian Voices Radio. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Asian Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our API community with a voice through media arts. If you would like to support our program and make a donation, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host Melissa May, and please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Until then, take care, everyone.